0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. And we do appreciate those of you that are watching today. And we especially are delighted to have those who may be watching for the very first time. And today we no doubt have those that watch every time we come on the air. Thank you so much for your watching as well now on our telecast today we're going to take a phrase out of the Sermon on the Mount preached by Jesus found in Matthew chapter 6 and we're going to discuss this subject thy kingdom come thy will be done I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that today now on our telecast we offer a free Bible correspondence course we've been doing this For a long, long time, and we have many, many thousands of people that are studying the Bible in this way, studying the free Bible Correspondence Course. And we would like for you to be a part of that as well. People all over the world, not just in all of the states of the United States, but in so many foreign countries are studying the Bible through this Bible Correspondence Course. We want you to have it. You say, what does it cost? Absolutely nothing. There's no cost for anything that we offer on getting to know your Bible. Now that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free
1: 18777115214. I want to read from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10 that will serve as the basis for our discussion today. "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is what we sometimes refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. This was the occasion when Jesus saw a multitude and He went up on a mountain and when He was set or seated, His disciples came to Him and He opened His mouth and He taught them. And those three chapters constitute what they, the sermon that Jesus preached on that occasion. Going back before chapter 5, we find that in the third chapter of Matthew, when John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, this is what he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus began to preach, and this is what Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Notice what he preached. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then we come to chapter 5. And in chapter 5, we have the the Sermon on the Mount preached by our Lord. First of all, in Matthew chapter 5, we have what is referred to as the the Beatitudes. And it seems as though the gospel of the kingdom or the kingdom of heaven is the subject matter in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Notice Matthew chapter 5 in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Notice Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then there's Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is all the same. It is the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that is under consideration in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And Jesus is giving the characteristics of that kingdom. And so the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are one and the same. You recall back here in Matthew chapter 4 and in verse 17 that that we learned that Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now let's turn to Mark's gospel in Mark the first chapter verses 14 and 50, and see what Jesus has to say there about the gospel of the kingdom. Sometimes Jesus would say one thing in one place in one gospel, then he would repeat it in another gospel, and he would say the same thing. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. But in uh, Matthew's account, he was preaching the kingdom of heaven. Here is preaching the kingdom of God. So, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are one and the same. Now, the kingdom of heaven, that is the kingdom of God, involves four basic concepts. Jesus said, Thy kingdom come. Concept number one to the kingdom is God's kingship, God's rule, or God's sovereignty. You know, to the Jews, the kingdom was an abstract idea, and it was the same with our Lord, when He said, Your kingdom come. You remember in John 18, 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of God is where God is allowed to rule and to reign in an individual's heart. And so it is the ruler, rule, or the kingship of God in my heart. It is when I recognize God is, that God is real, and that I allow His will, not my will, to dictate my life. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is also spiritual in nature. As we read in uh, John eighteen thirty six, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. And it transcends this world. Jesus said, If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. In Romans 14 and verse 17, there Paul wrote, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. That is, it's not physical in nature. But what is it? Righteousness, doing right, and peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is spiritual in nature. But also, the visible manifestation of the kingdom of God is the church of the Lord. You see, the church is a community of souls who who recognize God as ruler. Recognize God as king. Recognize God as sovereign. And it is these people who constitute the kingdom of God on earth. In Matthew the 16th chapter, in verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. When he talked about the church and the kingdom, he was not talking about two different entities. He was talking about one and the same. The word church is simply showing the relationship of God's people to the world. That that really means they have been called out of the world to serve the Lord. And the word kingdom shows the governmental feature of God's people, that they are people who recognize the Lord as king of kings. And they submit themselves to His will. Jesus said, I will give unto you, to Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And the apostle Peter first of all used those keys on the day of Pentecost when he opened up the the kingdom or used the gospel to preach the, the, the truth to the Jewish world. And thus he was using the keys of the kingdom as it were. And he used the keys of the kingdom in Matthew and Acts the 10th chapter at the house of Cornelius when he preached the gospel to the Gentile world. But the kingdom of heaven in a visible form came on the day of Pentecost. It had been predicted in the Old Testament the Lord's kingdom would come in the days of the Roman Empire. In Daniel the 2nd chapter and in verse 44. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and it shall break in pieces and consume all of these kingdoms. It shall stand forever. What was that kingdom? There are four great world empires contemplated in the second chapter of Daniel, and the fourth of those great world empires was the Roman Empire, and it would be in the days of that great world empire, that fourth world empire, the Roman Empire, that God promised that he would set up his kingdom in a visible form. And when John the Baptist came out of the wilderness of Judea, he was saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning it's nearby, it's coming. Jesus began to preach saying, the kingdom is at hand. He said, I will build my church and I will give to you the keys of the kingdom. In Mark 9 and 1 he said, some are standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom come with power. When did the power come? What power are we talking about? In Luke 24 and verse 49, they were told to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they would be endued with power from on high. In Acts the first chapter and verse 8, they were to receive power after the Holy Spirit came upon them. And it was upon the first Pentecost after the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that the apostles and only the apostles were baptized with the Holy Spirit, that is, the Spirit came on the apostles. The church began on that day, on the day of Pentecost, as is recorded in the second chapter of Acts. So thy kingdom come. It came in a visible form on the day of Pentecost. Uh, But there is also a future sense when we think about the kingdom, and that is when we have the new heaven and we have the new earth, that is in the world to come. So it is proper to think of the kingdom in both present and a future sense. The kingdom is found wherever the rule of God is accepted. It is a spiritual kingdom. And the outward manifestation of that which is within us is the church, that is, that's the visible manifestation of the kingdom of God. And that visible manifestation was inaugurated on the day of Pentecost. Thy kingdom come. In its visible form, it has come. But there is a sense in which we still need to ask that God give us the strength to do His will in our life and accept His rulership in our life. But Jesus said, Thy will be done. You know that tells me that God has a will. But what does it mean? Well, it means that God has purposes that are important to Him. Uh, That that means that God has reasons for what He does and what He wants. That, That means that God has a specific objective in mind. And for thy will to be done also means that the objectives are not given to God by man. Some people seem to think that they can tell what God what to do. But thy will be done means that God is not a senile grandfather... Who exists in some remote place. He doesn't need to be told what to think. God is not in some remote place and, and He needs us to do His thinking for Him. But Thy will be done also means that He knows what He wants and why He wants it. And it also means that He has reasons and purposes. His reasons and purposes are superior to ours and any right-thinking person ought to know that. But what does it really mean for God's will to be done? Well, it means that God's intent rules. Really, I was talking to a preacher friend of mine. Actually, I was talking to Dr. Cecil May who is the dean of the V.P. Black College of Bible Studies at Faulkner University. And Dr. May is actively involved in training uh, men to preach the gospel of Christ. And he is a, a scholar, and he is such a kind, gentle man. But I was discussing this passage with Dr. May, and he said, Actually, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, are parallel. That is, they mean the same thing. So what does it mean for God's will to be done? It means that God's intent rules. That God is the ruler of my life. It also means that His purposes determine the course and the direction for those who serve Him. In Revelation 20, 22, 14, the Bible says, Blessed are those that do His commandments. That they may have a right to the tree of life. It's not people that think about it and have good intentions. It's people that serve Him. What does it mean for God's will, though, to be done in heaven? He says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does it mean for God's will to be done in heaven? Well, God is held in absolute honor and reverence in heaven. His purposes are fulfilled without resistance. There's no angel going to say to the Lord, well, we'll think about it, and I'll let you know later. You see, His will is done in total, complete submission without any question at all. Well, what does it mean for God's will to be done on earth? If that's what it means for God's will to be done in heaven, well, what does it mean for God's will to be done on earth? Well, for God's will to be done on earth means that mankind would hold God in absolute honor and reverence. I wish that I could come to believe and accept the fact that all people everywhere hold God in absolute honor and reverence. But I'm reminded of a passage in Romans, the third chapter, and verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And so not all people hold God in honor and reverence. But if His will is done on earth, that means that those on earth are to honor Him and to respect Him and to fear Him and to reverence Him. And for His will to be done on earth also means that mankind would fulfill God's desires without any kind of resistance. We're not going to offer excuses. We're not going to to try to delay doing the will of God. And for God's will to be done on earth also means that, that mankind would do God's will completely through total submission. And when I think of one who did that, I think of Jesus. Thy, will, th- thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, now someone may say, well, now, Billy, that's not very possible. Well, I would ask you, why is it not possible? Well, someone would say, well, there were too many that would never submit themselves to God's will. Men are going to seek their own will. Well, let me ask you a question. Does that mean that God's will can never be done on earth? Now, if the whole world should decide not to do God's will. Does that mean that it cannot be done? I suggest to you that it was done on earth once, at least once. God's will was done on earth in the life of Jesus Christ. I want to call your attention to some passages. I want to go first of all to John the fourth chapter, and in verse number 34, where Jesus said, My meat, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Turn to John the fifth chapter and verse number 30. In John chapter 5 and 30, Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So Jesus said, I want to do the will of my Father. Now turn to John the 6th chapter, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He came, why? To do the will of the Father. Now in John the ninth chapter and in verse number four, Jesus is on this same topic and he says, I must works, work the works of him who sent me while it is day. So Jesus came to do the Father's will. And so you remember in the Garden of Eden, I mean the Garden of Gethsemane, When Jesus was prostrate on the ground and he was praying, he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus is a perfect example of an individual who did on earth the will of God even as it is in heaven. And Jesus emphasized the need to do the will of God. For example, in in Matthew 7 and verse 21, Jesus there said, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And then in John chapter 7 and verse 17, if anyone wills to do his will, wills to do his will, wants to do his will, desires to do his will, He shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. For if a man wants to do the will of God, I submit to you, he can do the will of God. So there's at least one time God's will was done on earth as it was in heaven. Now we need a clear understanding of God's will in our lives. It was God's will That that gave us spiritual existence. There's a passage in the book of James chapter 1 verse 18 where where the writer says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. So it's the will of God, the Bible, the, the truth of God that gives us our spiritual existence. And the moment we perceive God's will in a given matter that perception determines what we should be doing. We should consider God's will in every matter in our lives. There are some questions, I think, that will help us consider God's will. Think about this question. We have a decision to make. Ask the question, how does this choice affect God's purposes? Or how will this allow me to function for God as I should? Or how will this affect his kingdom? How will this affect my influence? Will this place me in rebellion to God? We exist for one reason. And that is to seek and to submit to God's will. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes put it like this. Fear God and keep his commandments. That is his will. For this is the whole duty of man. But in practical terms, what does that mean? It means that I want to grow where He wants me to grow. I want to change where He wants me to change. I want to learn what He wants me to learn. I want to cease being what He does not want me to be. And I want to become what He wants me to be. Are you doing the will of God in your life? Let me tell you, friend. He wants you to be in the kingdom. He wants you to accept the rulership of God in your life. To realize God is overall. God is sovereign. And He wants you to obey the gospel of Christ by believing on Jesus, repenting of your sins, confessing faith in Christ by being baptized. That's God's will. And it ought to be done on earth. It ought to be done in your life. And then the Lord will add you to the church, the kingdom of God on earth today. Then when life is over, and when Jesus delivers up the kingdom of God, you'll be a part of that. And you will be there in the new heaven and new earth on the other side of life's great divide. What a blessed thing it is to know that God loved us so much that he made every provision for us now and forever. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.
0: Amen.